Hi, this episode you're going to hear from Steve Simon, 77 grad, an Air Force brat who grew up on the on the enlisted side. Uh, he was a head football or a football manager for four years at the zoo, uh, head football manager the last couple of years. Was also a KAFA disc jockey. He made the dean's list seven out of eight times. He is uh, he went from uh, uh, graduation into to Francis E. Warren Air Force Base up in Wyoming uh, as a uh, missileer after turning down pilot training. That's an interesting story. He is also also an author. And he's the star of the uh, Heritage Minute videos at the AOG because after his uh, Air Force career, while he was at the Air Force, uh, in the Air Force on active duty, he was a uh, liaison guy uh, to the, for the Academy in Congress back in D.C. Kind of an interesting uh, role there. Uh, Steve also was a, a marathon runner. And uh, one of his interesting stories leads him to the Miracle on, on Ice game that he attended live in person up at Lake Placid, New York in 1980. Uh, when we do these, uh, these recordings, sometimes we get so excited we, we misspeak and we say things that don't make sense. And after listening to his episode, Steve wanted to correct a couple things. And I, and I blame myself for you know kind of rolling with him on this and not paying attention close enough. But he notes, he makes a statement that 10, ten uh, of his squatter mates went with him up to Warren, F.E. Warren in Cheyenne after, after graduation. What he meant to say was 10 classmates, not 10 uh, from his cadet squadron. And then his first marathons he ran were 77 and 78. He wasn't running marathons while he was a firstie. You're going to enjoy this. Thanks. Well, Steve, thanks thanks for being part of this. Um, I'd like to kick off by uh, asking you what message do you have for the incoming cadets, the current cadets, the recent grads, and the old folks like us? Okay, yeah. Um, I think what I would say is pursue your passion, um, you know, there's, we're all forced maybe to do things we don't want to do, but uh, we can always leverage that or leaven that by doing things we want to do. You know, I look back to my academy time. I did not like being a cadet. Um, I'm still kind of amazed by people who say, oh, yeah, it was great. I love being a cadet. I never said that. I don't think I ever thought that. But uh, I did like sports and I did like music. So uh, I became a football manager and a DJ at the KFA, the radio station, and uh, those two things kind of helped me get through some hard times and uh, just uh, just give your give me a break from the things maybe I didn't enjoy quite so much. And, All right, I gotta uh, jump. I, I gotta jump in and ask: what, did, did the football manager get you on the jock ramps? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. What a great and, idea! What a great and, idea! <laughs> and travel and uh, yeah, so. Oh, man. Just look for the end of the day and head down to the athletic fields and uh, you know, work with uh, work with the athletes and the coaches. And Was that something you did as a dually? Or? I did that all four years, actually. So, uh, yeah, I did the Kaffa thing freshman year, of course, because we didn't have music, and I love music. So I, I, did, I was able, wasn't able to do both just because the time sank. But uh, yeah. did the Kaffa DJ thing freshman year. In fact, I, I still am a DJ on the uh, Air Force Academy radio station. So. <laughs> So that goes full circle. I have a program every Saturday morning on the on Kaffa to this date. Do we uh, <clears throat> do we get uh, your your mixtapes ever? Do they do you have a good mixtape for us? Um, I could probably come up with one. Yeah, I do a program. It's called a cover hour where I play uh, kind of new versions of old songs, which has been a lot of fun to do and fairly popular. So, cool. Yeah, but uh, but again, that music's one of my passions and. 
but doing that in sports and uh, finding that passion really helped me get through the academy and, you know, kind of maybe get through life too. So that, so that brings me to the question, if you didn't like being a cadet, why did you go? Um, well, grew up in the Air Force. My dad was a career enlisted man, retired as a master sergeant. And uh, not a lot of money to pay for college. So like a lot of people, it was military was a good option. So I applied to all the academies and uh, chose Air Force and did it uh, kind of because I had to, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it worked. <laughs> You're shrieking to the choir here. What yeah, the- so a bit of a rough, bit of a rough start. So uh, you know, but a couple of examples of how naive I was. I we started on the second of July, our class in process, and I thought, well, this is great. So second of July in process, third of July, and then we had the fourth of July off. So you know, <laughs> it'll be a nice, be a nice break. <laughs> Yeah, so I obviously didn't quite understand the program there. So, uh, so kind of struggled a little bit during BCT. And uh, so, I don't know if you remember this, and every day or two, we'd head down to the post office and to check mail. <laughs> and they'd say, if you get a pink slip, make sure you give it to your upperclassmen immediately. So, of course, that meant you got a package. Uh-huh. I thought it meant you got a pink slip. And, you know, it's like, Okay, so this is how you find out you've been kicked out of the Air Force Academy. So <laughs> I was like definitely afraid to go check mail. I was like, God, oh, please don't have a pink slip. Please don't have a pink slip. So, so yeah, so it's a bit rough. So, so, so uh, growing up an Air Force kid and on the enlisted side, where did you live? We, uh, I was born in Pennsylvania, where my dad's hometown of Archibald, Pennsylvania. Um, Lived in Wright Patterson, Ohio. We had an assignment in Germany, which was great. Four years in Wiesbaden. Uh, came back to uh, Offit. And then a year in Kansas at a place called Schilling Manor, which was a closed Air Force base, but they kept open for the families of folks who were away. So my dad was in Thailand for a year and we lived on this Schilling Air Force base. It was I don't know, almost like a Twilight Zone thing. It was like a, a base without any military people there. It was just all families. <laughs> it just, so, just really crappy housing is basically. <laughs> well, it wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was you know, housing and, and not, you know, the commissary and the BX and all the okay. all the morale, recreation, welfare programs, you know, kids sports and the, you know, the pools and everything to give everybody a, a pretty good experience. It was actually a pretty cool thing that the Air Force did to give people a, you know, relatively stable home life while the military person was off at the war. So he came back and we went to uh, Holloman down in Alamogordo. Uh, he retired from there and went back to Carlisle, Pennsylvania, so, which is where I finished up high school. Okay, so right there by the Army War College. Yeah, exactly. That's partly why he moved there, just with the the commissary and the BX and uh, hospital and everything. And he got he got involved in civil service after that. So. So I'm just curious, bouncing around. It sounded like you liked Wiesbaden a lot. What was your was that your favorite place? Yeah, I loved. Uh, I liked Wiesbaden. I think probably my favorite. I was young when we went there, eight, and then there till twelve. So maybe not quite the age to appreciate everything we did, but I, I did. We toured a lot. My mother's English, so we spent the summers and a lot of time in in England, which I also enjoyed. So cool. And it was fun driving around, seeing the you know, the castles and touring other countries. So. So it was a good experience, but actually a good experience. All, all the bases I enjoyed. 
we mostly lived on on bases so got to experience the teen clubs and the libraries and the pools and everything like that so and i assume it was all dod uh schooling right yes yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that yeah i just i had similar some similar overlap i didn't have full dod schooling but the places i did it was pretty it seemed to be normal to me so mm -hmm. yeah. yeah no and, issues at all with any of the schooling that we had so I, I assume when you went and you got through the fourth of july and, and the bct thing so duly year must have been a breeze right uh, <laughs> it was i do a quick shout out to my bct roommate monroe ratsford because he uh he kind of course corrected me because you know I should have known better, maybe being in the military, but I kind of internalized everything. And I still remember coming back one morning after getting chewed out and, you know, I'm, I'm near tears. I'm just despondent and Ratch starts laughing, which not a good way to respond. It pissed me <laughs> off actually. And uh, so, you know, I said, what? And he said, well, it's, it's role-playing. They're upperclassmen. Their job is to yell. Your job as a duelist is to get yelled at. You know, two years ago, they were getting yelled at. So just go with it. <laughs> so it took me a while to figure that out, internalize that. And then once I did, it, it helped a lot. It was definitely made a big difference. It, oh, yeah. I kind of understood a little bit more how it worked. So. And then you got to go with the football team. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I was, went into seventh squadron, which was a pretty good squadron. And, uh, yeah, it, did the football thing pretty much, like as I said, all four years. Didn't travel as a freshman, or I didn't really travel till later on, till I got to become head manager. But, uh, but uh, yeah, definitely a, a nice break to get off off the hill. So yeah. So yeah. And then the KFA thing was that? Uh, did I obviously you must have been doing really well academically to pull off all that stuff? Yeah. I, um, I think the only time I ever made soups list was freshman year. So. <laughs> but I uh, did dean's list almost all. I think I missed one semester, out, so seven out of eight. So wow. pretty good academically. But uh, yeah, I made the dean's <laughs> other list seven times. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that don't know, the dean has two lists. Um, were you in, into any of the athletics at all, other than being a, uh, a manager? Um, just the the basic intramurals, of course. Freshman, the uh, requisite meat for the boxing team, for the <laughs> intramural boxing team. So, uh, yeah. And I was, I remember I was, the, the the lowest weight class was 119 and I boxed that and I didn't have to worry about weight. So that's, <laughs> so that's pretty little, but uh, yeah, intramurals pretty much the whole way through and, but nothing uh, other than that. And, and then in the summers, uh, what were your summers like? Um, first semester or first summer, I went to Fort Benning, okay, which was actually great fun doing the static line parachute jump down there, which it was the, the whole class was Air Force, which was really a lot of fun. It was just the great camaraderie between the the Army folks and the Air Force, and it gave us a little bit of extra training. But I think they appreciated our spirit and everything. That was actually a good a good time. And of course, everybody did survival. Siri, the after the freshman year, so yeah, and then the other years, uh, kind of the main one, I got to go to Norton Air Force Base and uh, tour around the Pacific in uh, C 141 Squadron. That was probably my favorite one. 
Cool. And then go to work in BCT and that sort of thing the rest of the summers. But and helping the football team get ready for the two days. Well, and, uh, yeah. and that too, yeah. So <laughs> did that did that become a uh, summer deal for you also? Not really. Um, we get down there a little bit because the uh, they might get a little bit of a breakout for the football players during BCT, but for the most part, that wasn't. Yeah. They weren't allowed to do that. It was wasn't until after the end of basic training. And then upper class squadron. How was that? I went to Alibaba. I went to 40th squadron. Okay. So, which I like. It was actually nice because uh, I'm sure you're aware there used to be a command post over by the Vandenberg Tower, what they call it now, which was right where Seventh Squadron was. So we'd have the uh, the command post people wandering through all the time. So it was nice to get over to 40, which is the opposite corner of the uh, <laughs> yeah of the cadet area. And uh, those guys didn't wander our way very often at all. So that was down the hall from our guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So close. You know exactly what that was like. Close to the chapel and the chapel guides is what I remember. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Alibaba was kind of our nemesis for a while there because we would we would do things and get in trouble by leaving pink paw prints. And they uh, they they heard that we were going to get restricted if they found any more pink paw prints by the upper upper management. And uh, Alibaba went out and bought a <laughs> pink paint and started doing <laughs> crap with that leaving paw prints. I go, what are you guys doing? You're killing us! And they... <laughs> That's funny. I hadn't heard that. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, all right, so you make it through four years, uh, and you get exactly what you want to do when you graduate, right? Actually, I did. Um, I wanted to go into missiles, which I know sounds weird, but uh, and I wanted to go to Francis E. Warren Air Force Base. Okay, I got that. So, um, well, actually, I was, I was pilot qualified, but I chose not to. I did T forty one, and I just decided that wasn't really what I wanted to do. So, and was that a uh... Uh, what was the, any rationale behind that? It just wasn't exciting. Yeah, I just I just didn't enjoy it. it. Didn't seem like something I wanted to do as my avocation. So I thought about it a lot because I know the folks in maybe your class, certainly the classes before, if you turned down pilot training as a pilot qualified cadet, you had a one on one with the commandant to explain why you were yeah. choosing that, and uh, so. I was a little nervous when it came time to uh, let the folks know that. So I remember walking in the room and I said, okay, you're pilot qualified. So what do you want to do? And I said, I don't want to fly. And he's kind of quiet, looked at me. Okay. What do you want to do? So this was the, the commandant at the time. Well, it wasn't the commandant. It was just uh, probably the, whoever was doing the assignment. So we didn't actually have to go see the commandant. Okay. But I know talking to some of the upperclassmen at the time was uh, you had to really convince the commandant that you weren't going to do that. So, uh, yeah, I got to meet the commandant going the other direction, trying to get out of missiles. <laughs> oh, really? OK. Yeah. Yeah. I know it wasn't a wasn't necessarily a popular career field, but uh, and maybe my re reasons weren't good either. But I, uh, no, I, I really liked skiing and uh I had a sponsor family in Denver that I was very close to and wanted to spend time more time with. And uh, Effie Warren was just a hundred miles up the road from Denver. And, uh, yeah. and actually 10 of us from my squadron went up there and then, uh, you know, throw in all the upperclassmen, you know, some of your classmates, Tom Wyman, as you as we mentioned, uh, Craig Puzz, Brian Diefenbach, some other folks from other classes, Russ Trainer from 75. It uh, turned out to be a real positive experience. So. Yeah. Um, 
before we move away from the academy and go up to F.E. Warren, did you have any wild adventures? Hmm. Like spirit pranks or anything? No, spent quite a bit of time in the tunnel, which I know maybe a lot of us did in those days, but uh, we would spend a lot of time down there just to blow off steam. In fact, I wrote a piece in Checkpoints a few years ago about that and just kind of open it up to grad comments on, on other people's tunnel experiences. But uh, yeah, for the most part, I kind of laid low and the and football then, thing and, and just kind of tried tried to not be noticed. <laughs> and did you ever think of quitting? I did, yeah. I, I actually came pretty close at the end of the sophomore year. So what, my, what, what, my folks found out and actually had me fly home and, and talk to them. Wow. And, and I decided I would would stay but i didn't really have anywhere to go after if i didn't so it was kind of it was kind of inertia just yeah it was easier to stay than to go but well and and just for those listening in it is it can be very miserable being a cadet there there are days it's just you just can't believe you're doing this <laughs> and you start to count down i mean they, we do 500 day countdowns and 100 day count just counting down the days left it can be great can be a grind yeah, yeah, and, and a lot of it's attitude, and maybe my attitude wasn't very good. Maybe that's what we're what we're coming to. That maybe I uh, maybe I fought it more than I than I should have. But uh, but again, I think once I decided to stay, I think it was fine. I think it really calmed down quite a bit the last two years because it wasn't like you know the clash song. Should I stay or should I go? It was like I'm here, so yeah, <laughs> just deal with it. So <laughs> so yeah. the way we went, and yeah, that was. Yeah, I had, you know, some good times. So so I understand when you went to F.E. Warren, you, you like to go camping. Camping? Yeah, and apparently you didn't like to wear shoes. Um, <laughs> I you, know, you know something I don't. <laughs> I've got a story about you going on a camp out with a couple friends of mine that said you went on a weekend camp out with them and you forgot to bring shoes. <laughs> Wyman, Wyman still talks about that. That must have been so traumatic that I blocked it out. <laughs> <laughs> but but he also told me that you guys were very inspired and you ran a marathon together. We did, in fact, yeah. In fact, um, I was trying to remember. Um, I ran the marathon up there in '76 and in '77, and we did it together once. I, I think it was the first one, but it might have been the second. But uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was a definite experience, and uh, to show you how uh, macho maybe cadets are. You know, I graduated, okay, <laughs> did my thirty days of leave, and I show up in Cheyenne. I think it was like the sixth of July. Go to the gym, and oh, there's a marathon on like the twenty fifth. So like you know, less than three weeks away. Oh, I'm an academy grad. I can do that. So <laughs> so I go to Kmart and buy some canvas shoes for four dollars. I do my long run, which was six miles, and away we go. <laughs> yeah, I heard, I heard the first 20 miles went really quick, and then yeah. the, last, the last few miles went really slow. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was an ordeal, but it was a, a great experience, and uh, I think my nine and a half shoes ended up with a size 10 blisters in them when we finished, but uh, that was one of those things I swore I'd never do again, and then, of course, next year I did it again, and done it about 15 times since so all right that's how it goes so but yeah but that was a, a great experience in fact i have a a picture of i think tom and i finished together oh tom craig puzz i think was the third one and i d 
Stephen Bach was there as well. I think it was the four of us. So. Wow. But yeah. And I guess uh, just continuing, continuing on with your running career. So you've run many of these since then, right? Yeah. Yeah. I did uh, about 15 marathons. I did the uh, Pikes Peak a few times. And, uh, and actually one of my greatest experiences happened in Cheyenne. I got to be uh, on the Lake Placid Olympic Committee torch relay team. I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah they, they picked one runner per state and I got to represent Wyoming. It was a, just an awesome experience. Carried the torch from Langley, Virginia, up to uh, Lake Placid. Participated in all the opening and closing ceremonies. We did award ceremonies every night out on Mirror Lake with our uh, our lit torches uh, held aloft, like uh, like sabers at a military wedding, while the uh, the uh, gold medal were while the medal winners were acknowledged, and then uh, got to go to events. So I had passes to go to everything. Went to the U.S. Russia hockey game and some of Eric Hyden's races and just uh, but hang on, hang on. You went to the you went to the game, the uh, Miracle on Ice. Yep, I was there. Yep. So for most most people don't re- really realize that game was tape delayed for most of the U.S. It was a correct middle yeah. of the morning kind of game out here on the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was yeah, I think it was middle of the afternoon and uh, yeah. And I talked to my dad after the game. He said, "Don't tell me. I'm going to go home and watch it." So, <laughs> but. I actually, I actually was watching it live. Oh, from here, Canada? Here in Oak, up at Woodby Island because the okay, yeah. we had the CBC. And uh, we were, I was watching, I was in my in-law's house because the very next day I was transferring my whole squad into Japan. <laughs> and so, oh, wow. so we had Friday off and we're sitting there saying, I'm going, crap, they might pull this off. <laughs> yeah, I was, it, was, it was remarkable to be in the, in the building, of course. So. Yeah. And again, just geopolitically, not just, so oh, yeah. it's, just uh, one professional team and one club college team playing, but, you know, just the geopolitical considerations with what was going on in Afghanistan at the time and, you know, the, the Cold War and everything. So it was, it was just, oh, it was yeah. just spectacular. Just yeah. amazing. Yeah. We got, we got I, one, one Navy story for you. I got the, Got over to Japan about a week later after flying airplanes to different islands, and we heard from the air wing that uh, one of the F four squadrons had been had intercepted a Soviet bear coming out of Saigon, and and they were giving us the briefing about how the guys had flown up next to the uh, Russians. The Russians were flipping them off like they always do. You know, we, we give each other little little hand signals of, of non support, <laughs> and, uh, and the U S plane. Uh, decided to just put up a piece of paper saying four to three, and when they did that, the, the Russians the Russians were hitting their foreheads and doing the, oh you know kind of thing. <laughs> that was really cool. That's great. <laughs> All right, so this I'm gonna have to talk. I'm gonna have to talk to Tom about that uh, camping story because I yeah you'll have to he'll he'll, he'll yeah he talked yeah definitely um, gonna gonna follow up on that. So Effie Warren, what was that like? Windy. Now, <laughs> now, I I actually remember it almost like my college days because we, you know, there were a bunch of us young single people with money and time, and we just really had a great time. I mean, the you know, most of the ten of my classmates again, uh, Puzz Wyman, Diefenbach, Trinter, and some of the other ones. Just, we just really had a, a really, really great time. I think that's socially, that was probably the best place I ever was. And, 
best of all, I met my wife there. Paula was a lab officer at the, I guess it was a hospital on base. So, okay. so met her there. So, and so yeah, very, very fond memories of, uh, of Cheyenne and Effie Warren. And I guess after thinking of quitting, you decided to make the Air Force your career because you stuck it out after your commitment to go to Norton. Yeah, I uh, I enjoyed actually once I once I got in, I kind of enjoyed it and kind of inertia too at some point. But no, I I really never gave a serious thought to leaving the Air Force once I once I graduated and got out and into the Air Force. So, uh, so you went from firing missiles to firing purchase orders. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, which is about the uh, diametrically opposed as you can get. You know, went going from from SAC where you know. I need to blow my nose. Oh, well, here's a checklist. You know what? How do I do this? And you know, I need to walk from the front of the cabin to the back of the cabin. Oh, well, let me pull out the checklist. So, and then you get an acquisition. It's like, well, here's a bunch of regs. Here's a bunch of laws. Here's a bunch of specifications. And you know, some of them apply, some of them don't. And <laughs> you're going out to meet with the contractor next week. So, so it was uh, about as drastic a culture change as you could as you could imagine. So. And I think if I'd started an acquisition, I might have liked it a little bit better. But uh, you know, the the total lack of structure was was wow. a bit daunting coming out coming out of SAC. But uh, and, yeah. but again, it was LA, and we we had a good time there. And and then you dragged your butt back to the academy. Yep, and uh, yeah, Paula got orders to come to the academy or an offer to come to the academy, and so I got on a plane and kind of wandered the halls and knocked on doors and said. Will you please hire me? So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I found a job in XP, uh, worked international programs, and then I also was the alumni liaison. So, kind of two jobs during the five years we were stationed here at the academy. So, and and what what exactly does that what does that do? What is the the jobs? Yeah, you were uh, foreign, well, foreign relations yeah. with the Air Force. Academy. Yeah, the international program was primarily the academy has a lot of. Uh, well, they, a lot of different programs, but the one I mostly worked was exchanges where we would send cadets to another country's academy just for a week or a couple weeks, you know, spring break or summer programs. Okay. And then we would host the counter on, on the way back. You know. So it was just a more of an orientation kind of thing. Now, we do have other programs, where, you know, the four-year program and other things where we bring in cadet students from others from other uh, countries. But uh, okay. so. Your thing was more of a one-week deal, not the not a full semester or full academic. Program. Correct. I, I did get involved. I did get involved in the uh, in the four-year program. In fact, one of the things I'm most proud of in my career was uh, we bring in the international cadets, and of course they show up for basic training, and they're jet lagged, and they're maybe don't understand the culture, don't understand the language, and we had some had some real uncomfortable moments early on. Um, you know, a couple I remember was just language related uh, one one person the pl place he was from the word ma'am means mommy <laughs> and the guy said i am not gonna call that lady mommy uh-oh and we had other situations where it was again just culture where they're not used to um having women in their chain of command and so uh I worked with some folks, came up with a program where we brought the international cadets in a few days early. In fact, that program is still existing today, so I'm really proud of that. But bring them in a few days early, hook them up with a sponsor family, uh, let them recover from jet lag. We did some cultural lessons, some 
language lessons, colloquial things, you know, some of the terms that we use don't mean what the words mean, if you know, you know. Just, yeah. So we went through a lot of those and uh I, I experienced that with an exchange program in the UK. I was in uh, business school and, and and the first day in school they over there they go, Well, we want to see we want to test your business IQ and they go, This company's turnover was up ninety percent last year. Is that good or bad? And everybody's going, Yay and I go, Well and then their stock was down eighty percent. I'm going, and they're all cheering and I go what the hell is wrong with these people? <laughs> and it turned out the word for turnover in the UK is revenue. And the word for oh. stock in the UK is inventory. So it's kind of just the same words with different. Oh, words. wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It was very disorienting to learning British business with American thinking. And I can see where foreign cadets would have the same problem. Yeah. So we actually had a lot of, a lot of issues there. So we, uh, Brought them in early, and and that uh, worked out really well. So, and then on the uh, on the one week exchange, one of the distinctions we had was, of course, during that time, England and Argentina had uh, uh-huh. been fighting over the Falklands slash Malvinas Islands, and uh, so Argentina canceled all their military liaison programs with the United States because we sided with England, and uh, we approached them about doing the the cadet exchange with the academy to academy, which they did. And then they told us later that was the first exchange between the two countries militaries since the Malvinas war. So we, we felt pretty good about that, that we yeah. kind of provided the link back into uh, better relations with that country. Got to try to build those bridges. Yeah, exactly. So, so that sounded like a really fun job. And then they said you're such a good guy with that let's send you off to the pentagon or to andrews i guess well andrew yeah andrews i went to systems command headquarters and again with paula being active duty it's all about where can we go together that was always our number one priority you know any job any place just keep us together and uh we were able to get to the dc or actually both able to get to andrews um paula and malcolm Grove medical center and i was at systems command headquarters uh, there on the base. So we bought a house in Waldorf, Maryland, kind of away from DC on the yeah. south side of, of, of Andrews and uh, there for about a year. And then of course, systems command imploded and it went away. Mm. That was combined with uh, become your material command. So, so after a year there, they're saying um, find another job or move to right path. So that wasn't conducive to join spouse. So I, was lucky that the academy group in the Pentagon uh, had an opening. So, which is actually uh, thanks to a classmate of yours, Mike Gould. Okay. Um, he had been hired to be the uh, congressional liaison in the academy group. And then I think before he even got there, he was picked up to be the uh, White House military aide to the president. So he was diverted from, uh, from the Pentagon to the White House and, uh, I just happened to be, you know, across town. So standing there in the hallway going, Hey, <laughs> right there. So, yeah. So I uh, went in and met the guy in charge, Ed Leonard class of 68. And the uh, main thing I remember the interview was one question. It was, why the hell would you want to work in the Pentagon? <laughs> so, so, well, cause it's in DC. So, uh, and then it turned out that actually was my, 
by far my favorite assignment in my whole career was being the congressional liaison at the Air Force Academy or for the Air Force Academy at the Pentagon. Just really liked everything about it. So. And what, and what, I'm just curious, what does the congressional liaison do? Uh, it's changed since then. They've limited, they've reduced the uh, kind of the, the job or the, the mission there. But uh, when, when I was there, it was essentially any way the Air Force Academy and Washington intersected. We were right in the middle of it. Um, huh. You know, the Air Force Academy is kind of at a disadvantage. You know, Annapolis is 50 miles down the road, and yeah. West Point's like an hour commuter flight, and you know, we're 1,600 miles away. So, uh, having the soup's eyes and ears in the building was really valuable. And and we did, as I said, anything that happened, anything that involved the academy. We worked on legislation, we worked on budget. The GAO, the Government Accounting Office, was active at the time. We were the liaison with them. Um, helped USAFA folks work on the congressional inquiries and hearings. The civilianization of the faculty was big at the time, so I got to work a lot of that. I helped uh, two superintendents prepare for their confirmation hearings, uh, Brad Hosner and Paul Stein. Cool. And, uh, and got to go to the White House five times. The wow. football team was winning the Commander-in-Chief's trophy regularly then, so uh, I was favorite. the, the person on the ground in D.C. that making the arrangements and coordinating between the academy staff and the White House and the Capitol and Andrews Air Force Base and, and making all that happen. So just a lot of fun. Steve, that's the answer to my favorite trivia question at bars. Which NCAA Division One team has been to the White House the most time for championships? Yeah. In football, and they all go, they go, Alabama, Ohio State. I go, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> then you tell them, they go, ah, you're cheap. I go, no, no, no. They go to the White House. <laughs> Technicality. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, but that was just so much fun. Just really enjoyed it. You know, great support from from the Capitol Hill and great support from the Academy. And, you know, we did a lot of good work for the Academy. Doing congressional inquiries, for example, you know, we did we get a call from a staffer and they'd say, well, you know, this cadet just wrote or his parents wrote to the congressman. This just happened. Um, what's going on? And I said, well, give me a day or two to check on it. So I'd come back out and, you know, talk to the dean or whoever, depending on commandant, depending on the circumstances, and then go back to the member of Congress and say, well, here's what really happened. <laughs> and, uh, and they'd say, okay, well, okay, we're done. Thank you. We're, that's it. Or sometimes they'd say, well, Okay, in the name of constituent service, we're gonna still send an inquiry, but don't worry, we're not, you know, we understand and we're just gonna do the paperwork. So so you know, we were that's you know, the relationships really I think helped the academy by uh, by having us there and you know, we could we could literally be in their office within within the hour if they needed to talk to somebody in person. So, and so finish up beer for again right yeah yeah i'd uh, while i was at the pentagon i was, was uh, working with the secretary of the air force's personnel council uh, kind of the uh, sort of the academy specialist you now we got a cadet contesting his disenrollment or we got a grad contesting something or other can you fill us in on you know the academy's part of that so so i did that I actually sat in on a few boards as a an affiliate member and then uh, and so wanted to come work for us full time. So, so I went over again back to Andrews uh, Personnel Council for for five years. So, and mostly just processing cases and and again kind of helping helping the academy in in the D.C. area. So, and you, how long did you live in D.C. in that area? We lived there for ten years. So, which 
is kind of unheard of, but uh, you know, with again with the joint spouse thing and being able to stay together. Paula was at Andrews for five years, and then she got picked up for a fellowship at uh, Walter Reed, which she was able to do. And then she worked for the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology um, up in Rockville, Maryland, for four years after that. So we we kind of pieced together pretty much three jobs each, but uh, able to stay in the in the same house and keep our kids in the same schools and that sort of thing, which really turned out well. That's great. Yeah. I, I went to high school in the Northern Virginia area, but that was okay. a bunch. Yeah. And then, so you left the air force and then you went back to Colorado. Well, we had another stop in the middle. Um, Paula had one more tour. She went down to, well, we went down to Tampa. She was the, uh, ran the, the lab and the clinic down there. I actually had orders to be the uh, protocol officer for the four-star head of U.S. SOCOM, but uh, went down there actually TDY before I PCS. I'd already accepted the assignment, and uh, I just kind of looked at the requirements that I would have in that job and Paula would have in her job and two kids in elementary school, and like, <laughs> someone's going to lose here, and it's going to be the kids. So, yeah. so I went back and said um, – I know I accepted this assignment. Can I turn around and reject it now? And I guess partly because I worked for the Secretary of the Air Force and, and partly because you don't want someone in protocol for a four-star who doesn't want to be there. So <laughs> cranky, yeah. <laughs> so they said, okay, you can you can leave. So uh, so I went down there and we were there for four years. So I had uh, written a book, a novel while I was and started a second one while we were in DC. So I Got the first one published and the second one finished while we were down there. And uh, you're you're alive with a bunch of people. Who what's the name of the books? Um, one's called um, "On the Dead Run: Murder Mystery," and another is a father-son story called uh, "Service Before Self." Both DC area based, and they can be obtained on Amazon now. I, I think so. I know they were available there. I'm not sure if they still are, but. Uh, okay. I got a bunch of copies in my basement. If anybody wants, I'd be happy to send it to you. <laughs> Plenty of books for sale here. <laughs> All right. And then I guess your wife must have retired because you moved back. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. She retired in 03. And then uh, we had the uh, very weird situation where we could go anywhere we wanted. Yeah. You know, no one's telling us you have to go here. Or yeah. That, uh, so, yeah, so we considered Tampa, but as a distance runner, I didn't like the heat and humidity. Talked about D.C., and Paula was kind of burned out from that, from her 50-mile commute and, and, the, and the 10 years there. So, And then uh, Colorado was the other place. And uh, I had been to three high schools, and we swore way before we even had kids that if we could control it, we weren't going to move our kids in high school. So Kyle was coming up on – ninth grade so we said well let's go back to Colorado we know that we like that and we'll be there for seven years and then we'll go from there so that was 19 years ago so we're still here <laughs> so we're 19 years into our seven year uh, stay here so but you uh you got a job as the uh a donor alumni guy. yep yeah so we came back in 03 and without either one of us having a job but uh I actually picked up a couple of things through some contacts in the AOG. I worked for Rocky Mountain PBS through the fall of 03. Um, 
they were doing a 50th anniversary video called Jewel of the Rockies. So I did some researching and writing on that. And then I also worked on a AOG affiliated project. It was a commercial venture, uh, 50th anniversary book called 50 Years of Excellence. So wrote a lot of that. So did both of those things in the fall. And then uh, later in 03, Nancy Burns, the legendary Nancy Burns, I most a lot of people know her, who's here for 50 years, did a lot of great things. So she had a, a vacancy and uh, went and talked to her. I'd worked with her before and uh, came on the staff as a civilian, worked parent liaison for a couple of years and then uh, moved into the alumni liaison position, which essentially the uh, the go-between between the academy and the AOG and the graduate community. So something I enjoyed a lot, did that for about 11 years. Now, how did you get... Uh designated the guy that gets to write all the history articles um well i think i just in that 03 thing i just kind of from my research for rocky mountain pbs i just had a little bit of information and uh and then when it came time for the 50th anniversary thing you know kind of at the same time i said well i could probably write some stuff based on what i know and uh, that just sort of became my my thing i'm not a historian i'm psych major by uh by education but uh just something I enjoyed, and, you know, the, going back to the top of this, it's one of my passions now was history and heritage. And uh, I just found that uh, I was able to write those and AOG liked them. So, here so we are. in all of your research, because uh, I just I just had this uh, question for myself. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else cares, but how do they come up with who gets assigned to patterns? Uh, it originally it's just it's just a, a computer algorithm thing, and they try to mix it up by gender and uh, athlete, non-athletes, uh, race. They they try to geography. Try to, they just try to keep all the squadrons you know similar, you know, yeah. and then and then same thing when they you know when they shuffle squadrons later, when you change squadrons, they kind of re. Uh, reshuffled again to try to get similar percentages of various groups in in, uh, in the different squadrons. Well, the one the one factor they obviously didn't screen properly was comedian. Because <laughs> we ended up with all the nuts. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious, um, I've, been, I've watched some of your heritage videos. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? Well, so... I retired as a civilian in, in 2015. Then 2017, I was asked to come back on the staff of the AOG. Marty Marcolongo reached out to me and I decided I would do that. And uh, so was on the AOG staff uh, and uh, Gary Howe retired. He was the executive vice president. So I moved into that position and uh, just doing my thing. And one day Jeff Holmquist, who's the uh, head of our communications, and uh, Ryan Hall, the uh, photographer, videographer extraordinaire, came into my office and said, we got a, we got a project to talk to you about. I said, okay, cool. I said, we think it'd be fun to just do these little short two, three-minute videos just kind of tell stories about things going on at the academy. I said, cool. I like it. Go for it. I said, who's going to narrate it? And I said, well, you are. <laughs> said, oh. So, okay. So we talked about it and came up with some some ideas and and uh, went out and started filming. So uh, 
kind of grew from there. We were thinking maybe it'd be, you know, one season, maybe do 10 or 15, maybe 20 of these episodes. Yeah. And uh, so we just started videoing. And uh, in fact, the first one that we premiered was one of your class projects, the 9-11 monument. Okay. Uh, we we premiered that episode on, on actually on 9-11, 2018. And then uh, we've been doing them ever since. So uh, become a bit of an obsession with me, I must admit. So we, uh, we've posted more than 50 of them now. I know. And I've, I've got about another 40, 45 that I've got in various stages of, uh, of development. We filmed several more. I have scripts everywhere that uh, <laughs> I will film if and when we get time to do that. And uh, hopefully we'll keep this going for many years to come. But uh, yeah, it's been a pretty, uh, pretty popular, pretty well-received project and i'm really proud to be part of it yeah and how's it how's it going are you following the eyeballs at all are you able to get a gauge um yeah we it, it gets some pretty good uh pretty good feedback we you know it's it's on a lot of different platforms so a lot of different numbers but uh I, I yeah mean, in fact we did that we did one a couple years ago on lowry and we just found out it won a it won a global award from the uh, council for the advancement and support of education case which does a lot of higher education stuff. So they just came out with uh, some global awards, and the one we did for Lowry won a, I think won a silver medal. So, so yeah, we're getting some good, getting some good, uh, good feedback on those. And I get emails every now and then, which you should do a couple, you should do a one about this subject. You should do one about that subject. So, we appreciate all that feedback as well. Yeah, I, I look at your list. I came up with two ideas for you. I tell you about it after we hang out. <laughs> cool. <laughs> well. Steve, I, I thank you very much for this. I think uh, your path is definitely your path. Yeah, I'm, I'm pleased with where I am and happy that I've been able to do what I've been able to do, for sure. All right, folks, just, uh, just remember, football team managers also get on the jock ramps. <laughs> <laughs> they only they have jock ramps anymore, so nobody gets on them. Oh, really? Oh, well. I think so. Well, that's one of those pendulum things that, you know, one commandant takes it away and one commandant gives it back. But last I heard, they didn't have the, they didn't have those, but I'm sure they will again in someday. Right. The, the, I guess the duelies don't need them if they don't have them, right? Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, pal. My pleasure.